This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. Psalm 127. And the word of God reads like this, unless the Lord builds the house, its laborers, its builders labor in vain. Unless the the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Verse 2, in vain you rise early and stay up late, see. Unless the Lord watches over the city, and Jerusalem was a walled city with sentries walking on the walls, the watchmen stand guard in vain in vain. So I looked up that word vain in Webster's Dictionary. And one definition of vain was an excessively high opinion of yourself, and that's not what we're looking for. So here's the other definition. And this is good. Vain means having no real value or significance. Empty, and I like this word, hollow. It's doing what you're doing, going in a circle, living in vain, with no direction and no purpose. Purpose, Just doing it, just to doing it, just to do it. And maybe the reason this psalm grabbed me is because it forces us to think about purpose and living with purpose. Now check the heading on this psalm. It says a psalm, it says a psalm of ascents of Solomon. See, Solomon is the human author. God inspired this, but Solomon's the human author. And what do we know about Solomon? If you're not a great student of Scripture, you've got to know this. The main thing we know about Solomon is that he, he was a king of Israel, son of David, and he started out really, really good and ended up really, really bad because what he did is he made all these political alliances through marriage. And he would marry some pagan king's daughter or niece or something like that and bring her to his land. And she brought with her her gods and her little, then he would build her a shrine. And then ultimately, he began to worship at those shrines and the nation began to deteriorate. And that's, in a nutshell, the life of Solomon. Well, he is the human author of this psalm in that good period before he had all those political marriages, okay, when the kingdom was really smoking. I mean, the king, I mean, David, David, his father, had given him a tremendous kingdom, and the kingdom was really smoking under David in, in the early part of Solomon's reign. So we look at verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the labors labor in vain. Now, what house is he talking about? He's not talking about the family. We could make that application, but he's talking about the temple. See, his father David wanted to build this great temple for God, but God said to David, no, David, you're a warrior. That's your gift. You go, you, you go fight the battles. You're a man of blood, he said. You go fight the battles. Solomon, your son, is totally different. This really speaks to gifts and the way God's gifted us. Solomon is the organizer. He's the builder. He's going to build the temple. And this temple that Solomon built, was magnificent. I mean, it, it, it was opulent. It, it just dripped with extravagance. I'm reading in the book of 1 Kings. 
1 Kings chapter 6, this is verse 29. On the walls all around the temple, in both the inner and outer rooms, he carved or had craftsmen carved cherubim, angels, palm trees, and open flowers. He also covered the floors of both the inner and outer rooms or courts of the temple with gold. So what you got is you've got these cherubim angels, you've got flowers, you have all sorts of just very intricately hand-carved, wood hand-carved images all over the place. I mean, just what would that cost today? And then floors of gold. And I can see Solomon alone thinking about building this temple. And he's saying to himself, man, if the Lord doesn't build this house, that's verse one of Psalm 127, man. If the Lord doesn't build this house, man, it's all in vain. He got to build this baby. Matter of fact, God has laid such blessing on this nation of Israel. He protects us. He keeps enemy attacks away. He watches over the city of Jerusalem and the entire nation. And if God didn't watch over us, if that weren't the case, all the watchmen, all the sentries walking on the wall, that would all be useless or empty or hollow or in vain, kind of spinning your wheels. If God takes away his hand of blessing, Solomon's saying, if he takes away his hand of protection, forget it, it's all in vain. And here's what Solomon understood, and God the Holy Spirit moved him to write this. Solomon understood that this nation Israel, over which he was king, this temple, it was all for the glory of God. Solomon understood that God works everything primarily to his glory. And if he didn't make this temple happen, it wouldn't happen. And he would, he would make it happen to his glory. So I, I wanted to apply this word of God to myself, and I went for a walk. And I asked myself this question that we all need to ask ourselves. you got to get inside yourself and ask yourself this question. Why do I do what I do? I mean, get into motives now. Why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? I ask myself, do I do it as a monument to myself so people remember me, so people say good things about me, so people like me? Do I do things so people notice me, or am I so aware of God, so conscious of God in my life that I do what I do to his glory? In short, do I live to his glory? And those are tough questions. What does it mean to live to the glory of God? Does it mean to build an extravagant temple or a building? You know, that, that could be part of it. Do something big and extravagant like that. If you're doing it to the glory of God, there's nothing wrong in anything you do if it's done to the glory of God, and we have to see what that means. I want to tell you one of the best stories I know about living to the glory of God, and this illustrates it. It's in Genesis 39, and you guys remember Joseph. His brothers sold him to slave traders. So Joseph is in Egypt as a slave, but he's in the household of Potiphar, and he's kind of looking over the whole household of Potiphar, who's chief of the palace guard, and he has a lot of authority in that household. And Joseph is young, he's handsome, he's intelligent, and Potiphar's wife has a thing for him. Now, here's the important thing. There is nobody in that house. They are alone in that house, and she approaches him, Genesis 39, verse 6. It says, now Joseph was well built. This is the NIV Bible. Joseph was well built. He was handsome. Okay, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. And then look at verse 8. But he refused. See, here's what Joseph knew. Joseph knew that God was right there with him. 
Let me read the rest here. But he refused, verse 8. And with me in charge, he said to her, he told Potiphar's wife, he said, my master doesn't concern himself with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than me. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. Now listen to this. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now remember, there is nobody in that house. Nobody is going to see, okay? Now look at verse 10. I know she spoke to Joseph day after day after day, man. She was relentless. The Bible says he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Man, that's a sermon in itself. You just walk away from temptation. He refused to even be with her. But there was nobody in that house. But what did Joseph know? This is vital. God was there. God was there. No one else. But God knew. See, that is God's omnipresence. He is present everywhere. He is everywhere present. You can't hide from God. Here's another thing about God. Let's talk about God. He is omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. And nobody in that house, nobody would see, nobody would know. But what did Joseph know? God would see and God would know. And that was important to Joseph because in his heart and mind, he wanted to please God all alone. Nobody sees, nobody knows, but God sees and God knows. And so he says, this is so great. How can I do such a wicked thing and sin, and sin against God? That's, folks, that, that, that's living to God's glory. That's as good as building temples and monuments and accomplishing great feats for the Lord. That was a great feat. See, living to the glory of God is doing every single thing, thinking every single thought, desiring in your heart to please God, your Father in heaven. First of all, because you know, see, it's a response to what the Father did. You, 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 you know he gave us his very best, his own son. And knowing and believing everything that you've ever accomplished, everything you have in your life is all from him. You're responding to that. And knowing that he is right there with you. I, let me go over this. Living to the glory of God is, number one, responding to the cross and the empty tomb. He gave you everything that means anything in life. Number two, it's responding to the fact that because of Christ, he gives you every blessed thing in life. Number three, it is knowing and believing that God is omnipresent, that he is right there with you. Number three, that he is omniscient, that he knows and sees everything. And the great desire of your heart because of all this is to please God in every detail of your life. You are constantly aware of God. That's, that's what it means to live to the glory of God. And that's what Solomon meant when the Holy Spirit of God inspired him to write in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord built this temple... Unless God does it through us, unless the glory is his, this whole deal is in vain, Solomon writes. It's all in vain, see? Listen, folks, be so aware of glorifying God. That's the point. And you don't have to be a Jesus freak on the outside and talk about him every other breath. You don't have to do that. Be a Jesus freak. Be sold out for Jesus on the inside. Not on the outside, you're going to turn some people off. But be one on the inside. And what I mean by being a Jesus freak on the inside is think about God from your first waking moment to your last thought before you go to bed. Let him fill your mind. Let him continually be on your mind, okay? That means study his word. Talk to him. 
a lot. And think about Jesus. Think about what God gave you in Christ. Think about Christ willing to die for you. Don't let the gospel be just words. Consider that God himself, the second person of the Trinity, said yes to death for you and me, knowing what, what, it, what it would involve. Please be aware. Be aware of God at all times. On the inside, be a Jesus freak. Discipline yourself. Train yourself to ask the Father right now in every detail of your life. Every detail. Ask the Father right now in this particular circumstance. What I'm doing right now, Father, how can I please you? Right now, this minute, how can I please you? And this is what this all means. Whatever you do when you ask that question, what can I do to please you? See, and that's what it means to live to the glory of God. Understanding his love, understanding he's present with you, understanding he knows everything. Whatever you do to the glory of God, Solomon is saying in this psalm, and this is God's word to you and me from the Holy Spirit, it is not in vain. You, you have meaning in life. It's going a direction. Whenever you're so aware of God and your heart is to please him in the smallest thing, in every single thing you do, he's always on your mind. That's living to the glory of God. It's never in vain. The smallest thing is never without significance, never empty or hollow, never. And here's something else I see in this word of God. I, I, I just read about the building of this temple in 1 Kings chapter 5 to 7. I mean, this was an opulent temple, man. This was extravagance. And I think of the planning, the organizing, you know, getting material from all parts of the world, finding the best craftsmen to, you know, craft those cherubim angels and, and all that stuff on the walls. And, and it all happens. I mean, I mean, can you imagine the enormous amount of energy and planning and everything that went in this temple? And it all happens. And Solomon says, unless the Lord builds this place, the labors labor in vain. You know what I hear in those words? I hear gratefulness. I, I, I see Solomon looking at the finished product or maybe the thing going up. And, and, and I almost see tears. And Solomon's saying, Lord, look what you've done. Look at this thing. Look what you've allowed me to do. What a great God you are. Again, it doesn't have to be a temple. It doesn't have to be a building. Maybe what you wanted to accomplish is um, just to lay off ice cream and lose 20 pounds, okay? But when you do it, man, Lord, look what you did. Or maybe it's to love this person despite himself or herself because they are very difficult to love and, and it happened. You really love that person despite themselves. I mean, you fill in the blank here, but God is so pleased when you look at those goals achieved and you say, thank you, Lord, because when you say, thank you, Lord, you, it shows that you understand that he gave you the resources, see? When you say thank you, you know, you know everything came from him. And here's a great resource. He gave you the ambition. He gave you the desire in your heart to pursue that goal, whatever that goal may be. See, because there's lots of folk, I'm not kidding you, there are lots of people who look at a goal, something God sets before them, and they back off, and they say too much work. Ambition is a gift. And the Father loves it when you understand. There were pitfalls, there were obstacles, but by my Father in heaven, by his Holy Spirit, he gave me supernatural Holy Spirit power to achieve this goal. 
That's what you said. It didn't happen from something within you, not if you're a believer in Christ. If you're not a believer in Christ, you're all on your own, see? If you're, but, but, you know, you, you're looking at this whole thing, and you're saying, look, look what I achieved, but God, God achieved it through me, and, and, and he gave me the supernatural power to achieve this thing I wanted to accomplish, to love this person, whatever it is, to see it through. And when, 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 when you say that, man, I'll tell you something. When you say that, God is so, he is so glorified. He is so glorified. God is working in Solomon. God of the Holy Spirit is working in Solomon as he writes. Look at verse 2. This is so good. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Let me read this again. In vain. There's that word vain again. Empty, hollow, spit in your wheels, okay? You rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. You know, I read this, and you know, you, you know what came through when I read this, what came through to me? Is the Bible is so changeless. It is so changeless, folks, I'll tell you. It applied then, it applies today, man. I mean, Solomon says, in vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, and he grants sleep to those you love. So there are people like that today. Now, there are people like that just running a race, man. You know, I, I read this, and I went back in my life. I really went back in my life. I went to my early years of ministry when I was in Youngstown, Ohio. I would get up and I'd go to the office. I'd get there by 8 o'clock in the morning. And on that day, you didn't wear, like, you know, athletic shoes or anything like that. You wore a white shirt. You wore a suit. You wore a tie. You were in your office with a suit and tie every day. Show you how old I am. And then I would stop home for a quick lunch. And then I'd go visit people. And the church was about 120 people. And I just loved to visit those people. I wanted to keep in touch with those people. And I visited those people so much, they got tired of me. I'm not kidding. I would, they'd see my car pull up in the driveway, and they'd say, in the bedroom, shut the radio off, shut the TV off, and don't you say a thing until he leaves. <laughs> oh, pastor, did you come over this week? Sorry we missed you, you know. And then I'd go home for dinner. Then I'd go out again. I had a meeting almost every night, and when I didn't have a meeting, I created work, see, because I, 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 I had to build that church, see. Now, I got to tell you honestly, that church grew. It was a good ministry. We started with about 30 people, ended up with about 700. That church grew. But at what price? See, there comes a point where you ask yourself, at what price, see? And maybe you can fit that story into yours. Then you wise up and you say, this is ridiculous. Relationships are suffering. I have no personal time. I race through life. I do a Psalm 127, verse 2. I get up early, I stay up late, and you run that race. And then you understand the will of God, and you start living biblically, see? And you discover, here's what you discover. You discover God's word works. That's what you discover. And what does God's word tell us? Number one, priority, relationship with God. Number two, priority, family. Number three, priority, job. That's the number three priority. God first, family second, job after that. Now, when you start living that way, you know what you discover? You discover how wise God is. And how foolish you can be. Honestly, you think like that. You, know, you, you start feeling better. Your relationships get better. You get as much done. You're not getting up early and staying up late. It's not all up to you to make it happen. And that is a tough lesson to learn. And you stop racing through life. You're accomplishing more. And Solomon thought, he thought, I could run myself ragged over this temple. I, I, could, lose sleep every, I could lose sleep over every delay. 
I could worry myself sick, but God has this deal well in hand. And you commit it to him. And you give it your best. And you live your biblical priorities. And you rest and you relax and you sleep well. In vain, you rise early. In vain, you stay up late, toiling for food to eat. And he grants sleep to those he loves. You learn that. Of course, you're responsible. You have deadlines. You meet those deadlines. But see, there's a line you draw. And you say, I have given it the best I can with the time I have. And God knows that. Time to let go. There's some higher priorities. See, we worry about stuff to the point we can't sleep, is what this word of God's saying. I heard Chuck Swindoll, and he's a great, great Bible teacher on the radio. He said, you know, we worry about all these things. He said, the, the, the minute any worry or any fear comes into your life, you have an anxiety attack, it hits you. He says, go to Philippians 4, 6, and I, I believe that's your memory today. This is worth memorizing. The minute you have an anxiety attack about anything, 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 don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, it says, don't be anxious about anything. Now look at this, but in what? Everything, by prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the great part. And when you do that, when you take this to the Father in heaven, immediately, anxiety attack, man, God, this is what's got me upset. And you take it to God immediately. What's going to happen? Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds with Christ Jesus. Father, I'm, I'm nervous about this. I'm thinking the worst possible scenario. Help me now. Number one, to know you love me. Number two, to know, to know you're not anxious. Number three, to know you've got control of this. And number four, to know you'll guide me. You're bigger than this issue. Pray like that, and his peace will take over. So the temple's built. Now we have a place, a place to worship the Lord. And there is strength and unity and solidarity in worshiping God. And as long as they were doing that and not worshiping those pagan idols that Solomon's political wives brought into that land, that nation was strong. Solomon wrote this when the nation was smoking. And now he says, he asks a question, how can we make this nation stronger? And that's verses three to five. Verse three, sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are sons born in one's youth. Have your kids young. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. And the gate is where you were accused of something and the elders of the city sat at the gate and that's where the whole issue was resolved. First of all, the word sons is a generic term. It means sons and daughters. It means children. And what Solomon wanted to do is guarantee as much as possible the future strength of his nation. See, he's talking about the strength of this nation. He's talking about unless God does it, it's all in vain. He says, quit, quit racing through life and let God do it. And now he wants to continue with that thought, how to build a strong nation. He wanted to guarantee as much as possible the future strength of his nation. And the Holy Spirit inspired this, folks. The Holy Spirit is directing Solomon's thoughts. How is he going to build a strong nation? The future was in the children. And notice what he calls the children. He calls them both a heritage and a reward. See that? Sons are a heritage from the Lord. 
children are a reward from him. See, let's focus on verse four. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, our sons, meaning sons and daughters, born, born in one's youth. And blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them, see. And, and I studied this verse in, the, in John Phillips' commentary, and it really enlightened me because he said arrows had to be fashioned. Arrows were fat. He said children are like arrows. In that day and age, they didn't just turn them out in a, in a factory somewhere. In that day and age, every arrow had to have perfect balance between the tip and the shaft. And a craftsman would make all those arrows, and it took time to make a good arrow. It took time to make a good arrow that you could shoot from your bow and hit a target. And there's an analogy. See, he's making an analogy. That's your kids. You fashion them so you can put them in a bow, and you aim them, and you pull it back, shoot them out into the world, so they can make a difference, so they can be lights penetrating darkness. And that's how you're going to guarantee the future of your nation. John 1 verse 5 is powerful, man. The light shines in the darkness, John 1 5, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Part of that light, that's your kids or grandkids, see. Here's the deal. You have the word of God, and you have the principles or the values of the word of God to ingrain in your kids. God gave you, he gave you the principles of the, he gave you the word, he gave you the principles and values of the word of God. And this is the most important thing you can do in your life to ingrain in your kids so they will know truth from lies. And they will be able to stand strong, shine with light and bless the socks off people, see. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church, meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.